he said, um, listen, give me two years. You'll never want to come back. Uh, the adventure of a lifetime and nobody will know you're gone. You get deployed at 17 and a half. And now I was deployed from the New York Athletic Club and we got actually deployed right out of the locker room from, uh, you know, you beamed up to the ship and then the ship takes off and you're gone for 20 years. That's a very hard pill to swallow, but that's exactly how I experienced it. I was taken at 10 years old. I was taken and I was worked through se several black programs. I was privately owned in the beginning. I did six, six or seven years on earth. Uh, that's when all the stuff for the programs began for me, uh, specifically uh, the tracking that they had been doing since I was a kid, it followed me all the way through the military. And at that point, when I got to Diego Garcia, that's where I was taken off planet. It like opened that floodgate for me. And then all of these recalls started coming in and I was just like, oh my gosh. And the way I was describing it, she's like, I've never had this with a client, but it, that you're, you're describing a parallel life right now. It's a combination of human and other species. Um, I was able to remember the name on their uniform, it's USS R-Corp. That was putting me through some kind of recruitment um, tests from age three until 12. And 12 is when I was potentially, well, taken. He said, uh, and with your scores, I guarantee you'll make commander and you'll make pilot. And I said, pilot of what? And he said, uh, four kilometer long starship. He told me what was gonna happen. He, he said, you volunteer for the program, we'll put you in, you'll do 20 years, we'll um, send you back in time 20 years, age regress you 20 years, wipe your memory, and you'll just wake up in bed like nothing happened. It's almost beyond words, it's beyond comprehension of how this could happen. Whoever's masterminding this, you know, the Air Force, you know, working with extraterrestrials, working with a lot of Pretty wild technology, which I'll also get into. It's really beyond fathomable. It's beyond fathomable. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, a few things before we get started. Um, Hopewell Farm CBD new promo code is back to Journey to Truth 10. That gets you 10% off all CBD products. Um, and that's going to go, I think they're going to do a 420 sale, which will be 20% off. So stay tuned for that. But until then, 10% off with Journey to Truth 10. And don't forget about the Omnia Radiation Balancer. If you guys are looking to protect yourself from 5G towers or all the above, any radiation coming in. It's a patch that you stick on your phone or any radiating device, harmonizes the frequency and, and turns it into something uh, less harmful or, or actually not harmful at all for you. Um, I have them on all my devices. There's actually one right here in the microphone and uh, they're really amazing products. So 10% off of those with promo code TRUTH, all caps. And we're actually going to be having Tim Sanders back on hopefully this month. They have some new pendants out and uh, he's going to give us some 
new updates on some of the current projects they're working on. So I'm excited about that. And don't forget to grab a ticket to our conference, Secret Space Conference. You guys just watched the promo for that. We're really excited. We're really excited for that. It's uh, going to be here before we know it. So grab a ticket, come hang out with us. And if you're like our guest and you're over in Australia or somewhere else in the world, live stream tickets are available for 111. And all the, all that information is on the link, secretspaceconference.info. One last promo code, uh, 20 and back, gets you 20% off all of our Teespring merch. Uh, so take advantage of that. And we're going to run that through the conference also. That out of the way. Today, we are joined by James Bartley. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with him, he is he has vast knowledge of reptilians and and other, you know, other related topics, but um, he's done some incredible lectures before. And I'm, I'm an experiencer and a lot that he covers actually is things that I have personally experienced and he's an experiencer also. So we're going to, we're obviously going to cover that and we're going to just uh, spread the awareness and let people know um, how deep this infiltration goes, because honestly, it's been the basis behind the reality of our matrix for eons now. And it's, it's, we need to expose this because that's the only way we're going to really get past it. So welcome to the show, James. Uh, thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Aaron. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm really excited about this. This is something that, like I said, uh, uh, it's unfortunately near and dear to my heart, but I think, you know, we're all put in these positions for a reason and what better way to expose it than to know it inside out. And I know, you know, it inside out also. So um, really, how did this start for you? What, like what happened in your life that made you start this research? The, uh, the catalyzing event or series of events was when I came back from Germany in September, 1990, I was there for a summer uh, uh, language program. And after that was over, and then I flew back to San Jose, California, where I lived at the time. Now, I'd had a series of events throughout my life, but I didn't have a conceptual framework with which to understand it. To me, there were just a series of anomalous events, some of them which I would have categorized at the time as psychic, for lack of a better term. I did have UFO sightings. I did have things which I believe were UFO related, uh, but at the time, I didn't really want to go in that direction because, you know, the implications were too fr frightening, quite frankly. You know what I mean? Because yeah. by then I, I'd read about Travis Walton's uh, experience. I'd read about uh, Calvin Parker's experience uh, in Pasigula, uh, Mississippi, because I was I've always been an avid reader about this stuff. Right. Uh, so I had a series of events in childhood, teenage years going into my adult life and for me, I'm one of those guys where it comes around in cycles. Every few years, I have another series of events, and they run the gamut from uh, full-on physical encounters to uh, astral abductions, uh, astral dreamscape, stage-managed dreams, as I call them, uh, just a variety of things, a lot of synchronistic events, a lot of close UFO sightings. So I didn't really put it together until I came back from Germany. And just to back up a little bit, a couple of weeks before I was due to go back, fly out of Zurich and go back to uh, California, I started having that prodromal feeling again, a uh, feeling of being watched, a creepy feeling of uh, you know, presences, what have you. 
at the time I lived on a guest house on the banks of the Rhine and, and along the banks of the Rhine there, the banks are very steep. And so I was at a guest house, a large guest house, and my room was the very top room of the whole guest house, right? So when I left my light on there, it was like a beacon. Everyone uh, across the river in Switzerland, if they happen to be there, could see that whoever is in that guest house in that top room, they've got their lights on, right? Well, <clears throat> I started sleeping with my lights on again hmm. because I was getting that creepy crawly feeling. And people were telling me, oh, you were up late last night. I didn't know what to tell them. Uh, along the banks of the Rhine there, there's a stretch of about uh, 90, 100 feet where they've taken the dense foliage because right there on the banks of the Rhine River on the German side, that's where the German uh, side of the Black Forest ends, the Black Forest of Grimm's fairy tales and all that, right? So a lot of dense foliage. And what they did along this one stretch uh, of the river bank there, they had a pedestrian sidewalk. And what they did was they took the dense foliage and either it grew naturally this way or they kind of molded it, so to speak, so that it was a tunnel, okay? And then uh, like the last two, two weeks I was there, there's no illumination. There is pitch black. I dreaded having to walk through that tunnel of foliage. So it sounds corny, but I, I took the sprinting through there. Okay, here we go. And then I would just put my head in that, like Ricky Henderson, like heading for home plate. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, just sprinting through there to get the other side where I can you know, breathe a sigh of relief, leaving sleeping with the lights on again. So that was the lead up. And then I get on the plane, go back to California. And here I am back in San Jose, California, which has always been a hotspot of UFO, ET, deep black military activity. Mm -hmm. Lots of spooky aerospace intelligence related activity there uh, just a stone's throw away for about you know 15 20 minute drive from where i live in northern san jose was where uh lockheed missile space is the blue cube the nsa tracking facility uh nasa ames mm -hmm. etc cetera, etc cetera. it was all there and then not coincidentally uh, it was around that area not too far from where i live where silicon valley as we now understand it uh really developed so that whole place has always been very spooky, always very, uh, you know, tilted towards the supernatural, if you will. So here I am back in San Jose. And then just in a matter of several days, a couple of weeks after coming back, I had a series of UFO events, uh, one of which was a gray ET looking out at me through my TV. If you remember the old days, it wasn't this 24-7 uh, cable TV uh, coverage. After a certain point in time, you know, 1, 2, 2.30 a.m., they would do the national anthem. The, uh, the color bands would show up on the screen, and then it would turn into snow, right, if you remember. I don't. Well, we're too young for that, but I know exactly heard, what you're talking about. I've heard about, about it, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what it used to be like. Right. <clears throat> I used to have an 8-track player underneath my 71 Plymouth Roadrunner, okay? <laughs> kind of nice. dating myself. And and but, for the record, really quick, don't feel silly about being scared like that, because when this started happening for me, uh, I was 25, 26 years old, and I found myself afraid of the dark, afraid to go to bed, actually. Oh, and, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I know I can relate, but yeah, continue. Well, also, what some of these ETs do is they like to 
play with synchronicities. They like to time and synchronize things that have a, a, a real impactful meaning to you, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that played a part in it. So anyway, yeah, I fell asleep. I fell asleep with the lights on again. TV was on, and in my mind's eye, okay, I'm laying there sleeping, but I had a, a split screen image in my mind, if you will. One half of my, my consciousness was in my bedroom looking at my TV screen, which was snow. The other half of my, TV, uh, of my uh, split screen in my mind as I'm laying there sleeping was my brother in his room, the other side of the house. And he's still up. He's got his TV on, right? So what happened was then this gray face showed up amidst the snow. And then it started, lack of a better term, zapping me in, in my brain. I could feel these electrical currents, jolts, seemingly emanating from my TV right into my brain. Right. Mm -hmm. But that was one half of the mental image. The other half was my brother in his room seeing the same uh, gray image coming out of the snow on his TV. And mm -hmm. he was wide awake. Now, in order to test his reality, he punched his dresser. Boom. Like a lot of abductees, I... Back then, I used to have my bed up against a wall. So I guess subconsciously, in theory, I had one of my flanks covered, which is a joke because they go through the walls anyway. Right? But anyway, I had my uh, bed up against the wall. And when he punched his dresser in that split screen image I'm telling you about, it sounded as if he punched the wall that I was laying next to. Bang. I woke up. I immediately looked at a TV and it would just snow again. But I know what I just seen. I know what I just experienced. So there I was, like, kind of cowering. You know? And it was a flashback, that mentality, that state of siege that I, I felt myself to be in. I go back to my childhood days where I could have the room fully illuminated, but there I am beneath a pile of, like, blankets, pillows. <laughs> I'd have a mound above me and have a little air pocket right and then <laughs> yep. and, and then when the air started to grow stale I'd, I'd lift up the blanket you know get some air in and i used to do things like set up booby traps i mean long before home alone i mean i would have yarn <laughs> i would have toys swing by on yarn and then because i felt like when i was a kid and i didn't have a context for it again that i was under i was being watched i was you know it was, i had a creepy feeling yeah. In certain periods of my childhood. So fast forward back to that experience. My brother punches the, uh, his dresser, bang. It sounds like he punches my wall. I wake up and I look at the TV screen. It just snow again. Okay. So there I am kind of cowering again, right? And the next morning I go out to the living room and my brother is sitting there and he's glaring at me and he's giving me these dirty looks. And I'm just coming and going, going to the fridge and just doing my normal morning routine. Finally, I have to ask him, dude, what's up? Why, why do you keep glaring at me like that, right? What did I do? At first, he was reluctant to talk, but then he said, follow me. So he took me to his bedroom, and he showed me the dent in his dresser. And I said, yeah, what, what's your point? He said, then he laid out this whole story about this ET looking at him out of the TV. And then uh, in order to test his reality, he punched the dresser and left a dent in it, right? 
And I said, now, I didn't mention anything about what I'd experienced the night before. So I said, well, why are you mad at me? How, how does this experience cause you to have this animosity towards me? He didn't have an answer for that. Right. So I just went back to my own room. Also, incidentally, my brother, has, my younger brother has figured in a lot of my UFO related dreams, too. And then uh, a little further down the track, during that same two week time frame, I had an, a missing time experience. I dropped off my buddy after uh, I promised I'd pick him up from work. And then I, I dropped him off at his house. He worked swing shift. We, we had the same. We worked in the same company for a while. So uh, we would finish 1030 at night. And then I dropped him off at his place. I hung around long enough to see the beginning of Jay Leno's uh, monologue for The Tonight Show. Right. And then uh, got in my car, my 71 Plymouth Roadrunner. And then just as I'm making a left onto the street, uh, and I only live like about four or 500 yards, I'd make a left and I make a right, then I'm at my house, basically. So I'm just about to make a left at this four-way intersection. And I look over to to my right, and that's the last thing I remember. The next thing I remember was waking up abruptly, sitting in my car, parked perfectly in my front yard. And I'm always one of those kinds of guys, uh, I don't know, call it. OCD or anal or retentive or something, but I have to park my car perfectly. I'm one of those kinds of guys, that, you know, perfect spacing from tires to the curb, et cetera, et cetera. So there I was parked perfectly in my front yard uh, on the street. Immediately when I came to, I looked across the street to this house on the corner where when I, we first moved to San Jose, the neighbors there actually had sheep. Uh, penned inside that that fence enclosure, right? So I looked directly across the street. Okay, that house where the sheep used to live, that's there. I look over to the right. That's my house. Okay, I'm back. But I knew something had happened because I felt, my body felt as if it was like made of lead. I, I could barely move. And I had these electric currents running through my body. And in the back of my mind, pushing its way to the forefront of my mind, something about UFOs, aliens, and I didn't even want to go there because, you know, I had that TV experience. I had a close flyby of a UFO experience synchronistically, which I didn't get into, all leading up to this. So I knew something of a UFO-related nature had happened by that point, and I'm sitting there for a good 15 minutes terrified. And I was starting to get sensation back in my body because my body, like I said, it felt like lead. Finally, I you know, summon up the courage to get out of the car. I get out of my car. I'm looking up into the sky. I'm walking backwards towards the front gate, right? And then, I'm, uh, long story short, I, I get into the house. I go to my bedroom. And because I was going through this skittish kind of phase, I had a lot of things plugged into a power stick. And then when I, you know, would come home, I would just hit the power stick and everything would come on the TV, the stereo, because at that time I was oftentimes sleeping with the TV on. And you know, that's why I had that TV experience, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I, I go into my bedroom, stiff as a board. I hit the, uh, the switch in the power stick, the room lights up, the TV turns on and the rate, the stereo starts blasting out. And of all the songs, it starts blasting out. It blasts out lights out by UFO. Right. <laughs> lights out, lights out in London. I go, oh, geez. You know? So I go to sleep. 
And then a short while later, I won't go in, it would take up too much time, but I've talked about this in some of my previous uh, interviews and podcasts. I had a full-blown uh, waking consciousness experience when I woke up in my bedroom and there were three reptilian grays there. Uh, they had the big black eye pieces, grayish, somewhat of a bluish tint, stocky. They were not skinny. They were not frail. They had kind of a blue vest on with some kind of symbol on. And instead of fingers and, and claws, they just had a long claw, right? Dr. Carla Turner called them chicken claws. They were reptilian grays. In fact, that exact type is mentioned in her book, Into the French, when her uh, friend Fred is getting uh, regressed by Barbara Bartholik. He has this experience with these reptilian grays, except they were wearing red suits. Right. The ones I saw were wearing blue vests. But anyway, so I come to and I look down. I will look over to my right. What was odd was I had my TV sitting on a chair there before I went to bed. I, I know it was there, but I guess they moved it or something because that reptilian gray was standing right where the TV should have been. And I look up at him at his face and I look down at his clawed hands and I was like, oh, crap. And then there's one at the foot of the bed and there's one over by the door. And long story short, I won't go into details. Things just kind of unraveled from there. I found myself up in a big ship. Um, you know, they, they laid me out on this table and proceeded to do what I call flexing exercises without even touching me. They were able to somehow made me do all these sit-ups and stomach crunchers. And at one point I was on my stomach and my, my upper torso and my legs were bent so far back that the back of my head and my heels were actually touching. Okay. And by now I knew something was going on. I knew it was real. I knew I was in deep trouble. Right. And, and there was a being, uh, who many people refer to as a doctor or the surgeon or whatever. And then there was these little smaller tannish brownish beings kind of scurrying around. And in between grunts, I, I asked this being, what are you doing? Right. And it said, uh, telepathically, we're taking your energy. And I had no idea what he meant. Okay. So long story short, that's what set me off on this because there was no denying it. I'd had a series of experiences that didn't even get into them all. And then what I, what it did was it compelled me to sit with uh, a, a, a pad of yellow legal paper and, and write down every single anomalous experience I had since childhood. And after several pages, I realized whatever this is, which I strongly believe at some level aliens were involved, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's been with me all my life. And, and as a, as a way to regain control, I've always been something of a reader. So I started driving to East San Jose to the East Ridge Mall because they had a B. Dalton bookstore there. And I cleaned them out of every alien abduction related book they had. Um, you know, the, the Bud Hopkins books, Communion, which I saved for last because I didn't like the, uh, the cover of it. Uh, the Betty and Drayson books, which were classics written by Ray Fowler. So that provided insight. And then eventually, uh, despite all the activity in San Jose back then, I don't know about now, but back then from a research perspective, and I didn't know anybody anyway, from a research perspective, it was very much a backwater, right? The, the few researchers I knew in San Jose, they were very standoffish. They were very territorial. Oh, what do you want to talk to my abductees for, right? I just want to share experiences, just you know, mm -hmm. trade hard stories, right? Well, uh, things, so, oh, please. I was just going to say, I mean, things are a lot different now as far as you know, it's it's a lot more common talk than it used to oh. be so it's a lot easier to discuss this stuff now and still 
um, you know, the main focus I, I really want to eventually get to is to let people understand, help people understand the vastness of this, um, how it's just infiltrated all aspects of our society, all the way down to the individual, like your experiences, because I'm sure what you just shared is going to, you know, other people are going to relate. It's not just you. It's not just me. You know, this is happening. They're, they're loose farming all of our energy. And um, yeah, so I, I understand like back then, obviously it wasn't as easy to talk about this stuff as it is probably now. Yeah, and, and thank you for pointing that out. Uh, my mentor, Barbara Bartholick, uh, she pointed out decades ago that every single person on this planet in some way, shape or form is impacted by the alien slash reptilian presence. Absolutely every single person. And now we're seeing that in spades because this rollout, these mass treatments, so-called, there's nothing remotely human about any of that. There's nothing remotely human about these restrictions, about the about the narcissistic abuse we're all being subjected to collectively. There's Mm -hmm. nothing remotely human about it. And so once I got on the research trail and I I eventually moved down to San Diego, which was a key event because I, I got away from the backwater of San Jose, became a member of the San Diego UFO Society, hooked up with Evie Lorgan eventually. And then uh, through long distance means, we, back then we spent a lot of time on the telephone. I became a close associate and colleague of, of Barbara Bartholick. And she really helped me out. She was my spiritual mama. She took me under her wing. Uh, by that point, she'd already had 30 plus years of, of reptilian research under her belt, right? Just regressing hundreds of people. What the ETs do a lot of times is they set up screen layers. There's a screen for the abductee, then there's a screen for the for the uh, hypnotic regressionists, right? And most regressionists dead end at the screen level, right, for them. And it's usually a generic can kind of abduction experience, medical uh, procedures, et cetera, et cetera. Barbara had the means because she was trained by a world-class hypnotic regressionist to get below that to where the real nitty gritty is. And so I had independently come to the conclusion that, the, and I think we, at some level we come with uh, and a soul level understanding and over soul level understanding. Uh, once we come to grips with this and once we start to delve into it, this intuitive process unfolds. And I've always had this affinity, this kind of uh, connection to books. And ba- again, back then it was books that we were into because there was really no inter- internet. So I, I, I found myself guided at different times in my life to use bookstores and I would just happen to find the gem that I needed to find, right? Mm-hmm. So while I'm in this process, I, I'm in the San Diego UFO Society. I'm networking finally with other alien abductees and other researchers. And immediately I was drawn to the reptilian aspect of it because I, I talked to people that had reptilian experiences. And because of my deep interest in, in the deep black military aspects of this as well, we were getting a lot of reports out of the high desert of Southern California of people that were having not only hardcore reptilian experiences, but on occasion, sometimes more frequently, they would be kidnapped by deep black elements of the military, taken to a facility. Oftentimes, sometimes they were taken to a, like a corporate office suite in, in town somewhere, but often as not, they were taken to a facility either above ground or taken underground. And they re- would really work them over, uh, stick them, 
the needles and, and do all these other things to them. We call them military type cases back then. The term my lab didn't exist. Right. We didn't know, we didn't know what else to call them. So I was already on that trail, uh, finding out what was going on in the high desert of Southern California. Uh, there's a lot of uh, the Antelope Valley is where the aerospace uh, uh, headquarters, if you will, uh, is where Lockheed and at the time Rockwell and a number of other aerospace corporations had huge underground facilities where they developed a lot of this alien technology. <clears throat> and so I was, this is what, what I got into. And then synchronistically through a series of synchronous events, I got reunited, if you will, with Barbara Bartholick. And, and from there, you know, my research right. just really took off. Yeah. And you were just talking about more the physical aspect of abductions, but um, a lot of this is they they're able to telepathically project their consciousness into into one's mind and create screen memories and even make themselves appear as someone else. Um, and, and you know that I've heard you talk about that before, but I've experienced this. And I think we even we even see this on the world stage with some of our politicians and, you know, the, this term shape shifting. Um, it's it's not necessarily that they're shape shifting, but they're tricking our mind and we're perceiving them as a human when they're actually not and then they have the reptilian like in uh what do they call them imposter humans they 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 look no different than a human and you know besides the fact that you might see their eye every once in a while they turn into a slit or whatever um so that's the deception is really what i want to get into and how they're able to deceive us and manipulate us and this is happening on all levels of our society. Indeed, it's through a long term process of genetic hybridization. After the most recent series of celestially driven cataclysms, there was a much smaller surface population base that they had to deal with. So they began the reptilians, Draco and other uh, archontic ET groups began this process of hybridization, imbuing their DNA and their behaviors, characteristics, etc., into particular bloodlines. And within the context of some of these bloodlines at the time, this elite, if you will, the astronomer priesthood class emerged, which, you know, created the laws, dished out the penalties and, and, and all that. And around the same time, we had the supplanting of symbol language, which speaks to us from a soul over soul uh, level to the alphabet language, which shunted us into the left brain. And with, with the alphabet language comes words, comes edicts, mandates, dogmas, and a priesthood to enforce all that, right? Mm -hmm. So that was a radical abrupt change that, and of course around the same time because these beings are so evil right the, the ones that are the controllers here it was the uh, er eradication of the original feminine principle and the replacement with this harsh misogynistic uh, mentality again wielded by this priesthood and we, we saw the extremes of that and the witch hunts which lasted for hundreds of years the inquisition etc cetera, etc cetera the uh, simultaneous eradication over many centuries of First Nations uh, traditional lore, uh, the, uh, the shamanic medicine man tradition, medicine woman tradition uh, that was native to this planet and also to some degree imported here from 
from off-world by other ET groups. So they got rid of the old, and they didn't have as many people to have to deal with because so many of them were wiped out in these celestially driven cataclysms. They created these hybridized bloodlines. They imbued their onerous characteristics into these bloodlines uh, of uh, murderousness, uh, rapaciousness, bloodlust, et cetera, et cetera. Service to self. Service to self, absolutely. And so they created, and to, in linear time terms, all this was in a blink of an eye. The, the plan was to, by allowing certain technologies to come into the possession of uh, the, the deep black military aerospace community, many of the key members of which already were from the sub Rosa hybridized bloodline uh, anyway, right? Uh, all these fraternal orders of Freemasons and what have you. Uh, so many of them are already sprinkled throughout the surface and subsurface uh, intelligence, uh, military, political world. So when this technology began to come into possession of the earthlings, if you will, obviously it was eventually, it was the same hybridized bloodlines that gained control of this technology and perish the thought they would actually allow that technology to get out into wider circulation to benefit us. No, it's all about artificial scarcity. It's all about divisiveness, creating wars, et cetera, et cetera. So what they've done is all these onerous characteristics, behaviors, they've imbued that into their hybridized elites. They, they've filtered that down through the school system because they, they knew that, and, and again, it goes back to what Barbara Bartholik says, everyone on planet Earth has been affected by this. So someone could come, someone could be of pure heart, uh, just a wonderful person to be around, but in their childhood and growing up, they're just surrounded by narcissistic, abusive reptilian hybrids that were in a chessboard cosmic fashion placed around them at key junctures in their life to knock them off course, destabilize them, neutralize them, destroy their lives, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, a lot of us have had to navigate through this obstacle course for, for a long time. Right. Well, they, uh, so they oh, intimidate. Please. I mean, like their goal is like to intimidate the star seeds. Right. And then they get to get them straight, get them, lead them astray off their spiritual path. And eventually like, like me and you, like that you receive, be at the receiving end of these attacks. Right. And they want you to throw in a towel essentially, and just terminate your assignment here on earth. And that's, you know, that's what we're seeing on the world stage right now. We're seeing this with amongst everybody. And uh, it's not just like things are going wrong for you. This is all done by design. Absolutely. Uh, and when they really have you in their crosshairs, you can have financial problems. You could have uh, car problems. You could have employment problems. You could have, I mean, it just runs the gamut. It's what Barbie, Barbie and Evie Morgan and I talked about, like this big time spiritual warfare attack. Right? And all because you're on the hunt. You're on the hunt for truth. You're, you, you're trying to find what your mission is here because you, you know that at some level, we're here for some greater purpose. Every single one of us, not not just us on this podcast, but everyone has potential to make a, a profound impact in this. And mm -hmm. so what they do is that they just surround us with all these narcissistic reptilian hybrids. I mean, I grew up around a bunch of pathological liars. 
in my in my immediate family and in my extended family, my cousins. So people were lying to me from day one, and that that benefited me because after a while, it wasn't just that I tuned them out. Oh, here comes so and so, cousin so and so. What's he going to lie about today, right? But there's a vibe that comes along with that. There's a vibe which I intuitively picked up on without even consciously realizing it. And then later when I was in this field, I would pick up that vibe again and instantly. And I trust my still silent voice because usually when it tells me that, well, whatever this person is peddling, whatever theories they're pushing, there's nothing in it for me. I'm not going to make a value judgment about them or their material. It's just that, you know, I got to allocate my time and resources in other directions. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's helped me to navigate because the UFO community, especially um, in the early 90s, when I first became an active member, and it was what you were talking about a moment ago of how they strive to knock us off our, our true path. The new age is one of those traps where they would like nothing more than people like us to be just, you know, blissing out and just tuning all this stuff out because it's too negative and we're just going to visualize a never-ending champagne cruise in the fifth dimension, right? That, that's what they want us to do. That's how they neutralize us. Right. But some of us are a bit more stubborn, right? So, you know, getting back to my story and how it fits in, eventually what we found out was not only did myself and others that I networked with, not only in Southern California, but uh, you know, around the U.S., not only did we find out that, yes, the reptilians are key players behind this, as well as the mantis beings, what's starting to come out now, but my, what myself and some of my colleagues have known for some time is that these octopus beings, too, are key players in this. They're not just ecno, ectoplasmic interdimensional, although they have that capability. Like the reptilians and some of the other uh, beings, they're masters of density and frequency. They can alter their density at will. Extremely so intelligent. Too, extremely yeah. intelligent. Even uh, in earthly terms, yeah. the octopus are extremely intelligent. But uh, in cosmic, galactic, and beyond terms, and these are quite large octopi that, that are uh, in these enclosures. Do you remember that story in Antarctica where the group of scientists encountered a, an, an octopus like that? And, uh, no. Uh, I, I, I want to know that story. Yeah, if you can no. find a link. Aaron, do you know what I'm talking about? They encountered like an extremely no. intelligent octopus somewhere and diving somewhere in Antarctica. And um, I don't I, I'm not going to do the story any justice right now. But, yeah, they, they encountered something that what they would basically describe as an E.T. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like Barbara Bartholick had worked with a guy named Riley Martin, uh, a black guy, uh, very sharp. And you can see in the series of videos that that Barbie did with, with Riley. And that's what Barbie's style was. She would videotape the abductee, let them describe in their own words what they experienced, what their perceptions of it were, what they gleaned from these experiences. It was a very powerful technique. In her infrequent lectures, she would just play these videos of different abductees, and then in between the videos, she would do a commentary, right? It was very powerful because you can tell that these people were not coached by Barbie what to say. These are people that have seen and experienced what they're describing. And you mentioned a key point earlier. It's not just physical experiences. These alien abductions, they occur all across the board, astrally, uh, stage managed dreams, psychically. Uh, it's not just the 
stereotypical medical procedures that are done to people. It, it's much more than that. Right. And a lot of it can happen in your own bedroom at night. You don't have to be taken up into a ship, right? Uh, or conversely, they can just pull you through a portal and then you're either underground or in some other dimension. So, so it right. varies. So Barbie was working with a guy named Riley Martin, just to make a quick point. And he was on board a very large ship, which he estimated to be about 15 miles long. I don't know how he came up with that estimate. Maybe he was told that by some of the ETs. But in, in one part of the ship, inside of a huge enclosure, was this very large octopus being. And, and since that time, I saw that video in the, in the 90s. I've spoken to a few other people who have likewise been taken on to big space stations and likewise have seen these huge octopus beings. But these octopus beings can scale themselves up or down. People have seen them, smaller versions of them, uh, interdimensionally, mm -hmm. um, even coming out of TVs and coming out of <laughs> you know, PC monitors and what have you. Uh, anyway, um, right. you're going to well, say something. Right. I mean, our reality is nothing what we think it is. But... Uh... Yeah, if you don't have an awareness of what you're talking about right now and things are happening to you, like um, like Dick, you said, they can project screen memories and all the above, uh, that can really fuck with you and drive you to insanity, honestly. So it's important to realize that they're able, what they're capable of as far as that goes, because um, it was tripping me out for years. But then once you're aware of it, you can actually start, you realize there's tools and you can actually defend yourself and protect yourself. And it doesn't have to be like that. Although they, they're very smart and they adapt and they, they're clever and they'll find a way in if you're not constantly aware, especially doing this type of work. Yes, absolutely. Uh, when they become aware that we are on the search for truth, we're on the quest, uh, we will go through stages, periods of our life when we're subjected to a lot of spiritual warfare reprisals all across the board. Uh, almost nightly at times, we'll be astrally abducted, we'll be messed with in some fashion, we'll wake up in the morning with marks and bruises and puncture holes. But but all we can do is just, just keep marching on. That, that's all we can do. Right. After a while, what happens, not saying that we're out of the woods yet, but what happens is, just like any other bully, they look for easier prey is what they do. It's, mm -hmm. you know, they, they try a lot of these things on us. And then when the fear and intimidation don't, doesn't have the kind of impact on us that they would like, they'll just find easier prey. And in, in my case, they used to do a lot of uh, stage managed dreams where they would send these characters into my dreamscape, which I knew were reptilians. Oh my, were... the same exact thing happens to me. Go ahead. Yep. But they would be humans. Like, for example, in this one experience I had, right? I was in your stereotypical... Um, a kitchenette at a work site, right? Small space, a phone on the phone on the wall, old school phone on the wall, table, you know, kitchen stuff there, little fridges. And then I'm in there, and then these these three guys show up. Now they all look identical. Sometimes their their screens are aren't too effective. They look like identical Filipino guys except one was taller than the other. Now, this happens with the reptilian sometimes where you're, you either see them in an experience and they look like reptilians or they look like fake humans. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the, the alpha, if you will, or at any rate, a taller one than the others is there and seems to be the boss. So again, in, in this dreamscape, stage managed dreamscape scenario, I'm in this little kitchenette at a work site. And then there's 
and they had the corniest outfits. They had these like brown outfits, brown shirts with like kind of a yellow diagonal. It reminded me of the terrible looking San Diego Padres uniforms back in the day, right? Hmm. And brown pants. And, and they, they all look identical, except one was taller than the other. And the one was just had this like grimace of rage at me all the time, just shooting evil at me through its eyes. And I knew immediately what they were. They were reptilians pretending to be humans. And just to rub it in, they kind of make themselves look Filipino, right? So I pick up the phone and I dial and I call up Barbara Bartholik. And I go, oh, yeah, I got these three dickheads here and I'm at work and they're reptilians. But and, and I know they're reptilians, right? And because I'm talking to Barbie, or I think I'm talking to Barbie, the lead one, the, the taller one, starts to get really enraged. And he starts making these threatening uh, like uh, actions towards me. Now, at the time, this is important. At the time, I was living in a little studio apartment in San Diego. I mean, small. I could be sitting in a toilet and cooking breakfast. That's how small this place was, right? And my bed was right up against this large bay window, right? And then down below is the terrace, the, the deck for, for the unit below, right? And so here I am laying in bed in this astral dreamscape manipul manipulation. And I'm on the phone and I'm getting irritated. I'm talking to Barbara Bartholick. And then this entity is, is just messing with me, getting in my face. Finally, he pisses me off so bad, I lunge at him. And then in real life, I'm crashing into that bay window. And fortunately, I I've didn't fall. Fortunately, I didn't fall through it. See, that was the trick. It was trying to bait me, right? Into like lunging for it. I did. I fell for it. Yeah. Fortunately, the, the glass held. Otherwise, crash, I would have been cut the ribbons, fallen down to the bottom, and who knows what would have happened. So I, I bounced off of it, fortunately. Yeah. And, I, and then I woke up and I go, oh, those fuckers. You know? Some, sometimes I wonder like I would love to have had a camera in place because I've experienced the same thing where your physical body, you're fighting this thing in, in the astral realm or the dream state, and then it manifests into the physical and the, uh, upon a waking state. And, you, and a lot of times it's you breaking free from some sort of paralysis or whatever it might be. But sometimes I'll wake up lashing and covers of flying and my dogs, who knows what's going on, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting to think about, too, is this isn't just um, like they don't look for immediate results like they plan everything out. Everything's very well planned out to guarantee their success, not just individually, but um, across the board for everybody. This isn't they don't care about the immediate results. This is a big master plan. And that's what we're trying to expose. Yes. And from an alien abduction perspective and moving out, expanding out to all of society, all of civilization, what they do, what I've come to understand about the reptilians and some of their cosmic vassals, some of the great factions that work for them, uh, work in alliance with them at some level. What they seem to do is uh, modify our behavior in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, not casting any value judgments on anyone and their lifestyle and their lifestyle choices. Uh, but it can run the gamut from changing the uh, let's say the sexual orientation of people on the one hand, but also making them more impulsive, making them more violent, making them more uh, rage filled or conversely, making them very timid and passive and, right. and what have you, turning them into doormats, turning them into, you know, people pleasers. Right. 
like to give an example, when I was a boy, I would climb anything, right? And then when I was in my teenage years, when I was having a lot of alien abduction experiences, but didn't understand it at the time, I kept having these dreams where I was stuck on like a, like a, a sheer cliff face, right? No footholds, no handholds. I'm just stuck there. And then the only way to break out of that was the way my simple mind worked was, oh, just jump, get it over. With. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I would jump, make myself wake up from the terror of falling. And then before too long, I had a fear of heights. Go figure. Because this happened repetitively. Right? Yeah. And then what happened also was they did an overlay on that. They, they, this is how they get people, uh, turn them into arachnophobes. And it took me a while to get over that, right? Where I just kept having dreams of big spiders all over the place and spiders coming around me. And it turned out later, much later in our work that, well, yes, there are these weird spider bot thingies that, that oh, not yeah. only Lots seem to be, yes, not, not only do they seem to be, there seems to be like an AI variant, if you will, but there also seems to be an interdimensional real kind of uh, critter or critters that are spider-like in appearance. I had Kim Russell on my show and she talked about it as a little girl, you know, these things would, you know, come into her bedroom. She would, they would be crawling onto her bed and she'd scream and turn the lights on and they would be gone. Right. And then Aaron, turn you the lights woke up, off. You I've woke up those to those before Aaron, right? Multiple times. I've seen those. Yep. Yeah. It's always, so is it, always when I'm waking up is when I see them. Yeah. And it was right when we're waking up that if they want us to forget about a particular experience, then they could like, eroticize our dreams, manipulate us to trigger the sexual arousal mechanism. So we lay there fantasizing about some hottie for a moment, just a moment, but that's enough to make us forget about what we just woken up from. You know, mm -hmm. when we're clinging on to that last vestige of the experience. Yeah, I know I had an experience. I was on a craft or I was in a warehouse and something was going on. Oh, hot chick, right? Suddenly you forget all that stuff. That, that's a manipulation. Mm -hmm. and, and people need to realize that that's how they work uh, on us at the emotional, psychic, um, psychological level. Uh, the whole psychology field was created by reptilian hybrids mucking with our heads, right? Look what it is now. So, you know, uh, getting back to the, uh, the dream manipulation, then I found myself in dreams where I'd be uh, stuck in a sheer uh, uh, cliff face. And here are these big spiders crawling towards me on the cliff. Okay, so they're combining this stuff and I jump off again. So yeah. develop the arachnophobia, develop a fear of heights. And they can do this with, with clowns, you know, terrorize people with clowns in their dreams. I mean, I had this one experience. I don't know if it was more ET related or kind of I'm thinking it's more military mind control related where I had this horrible uh, astral dreamscape virtual environment experience where this balloon clown was coming after me. And, you know, like when you rub two balloons together, it makes that squeaky kind of squealy kind of noise, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So here I am. And it's one of those things you were just talking about where, you know, you're lashing out, you're pushing on them. And, and all this changes our behavior in subtle and not so subtle ways. If, if we don't have a conceptual framework and realize the pattern that's going on, we could fall into certain predetermined uh, behavioral categories that they want to put us in, and they will try. We're going to turn this guy into a pedophile. If that doesn't work, we're going to turn him into this. If that doesn't work, we're going to try this. And eventually, if you fight all that stuff off, like I said, they'll, they'll go you know, well, look for weaker prey. Yeah, right? and they control people th through their vices also. Whatever, oh, big time. alcohol, big time. cigarettes, drugs, whatever, you know. Self-medication is a big part of yeah, this. Yeah, once, right? once they get somebody addicted to something like that, you know, 
it's unfortunately game over for them unless they can come back. Yes. And then also, especially, and Barbara Barthel was on this decades ago, uh, the, the crank aspect of it where they get people hooked on crystal meth or uh, derivatives such as commonly known as crank uh, in California and in the Midwest, because that's a big type doorway uh, to open right. because what it does, it lowers their frequency bandwidth into the happy hunting ground of all these entities. They just jump into people and take mm -hmm. them over. And um, so, so anyway, a lot of it is behavior modification. You often hear researchers say, well, you know, they're studying our emotions. Well, what do they really mean by that? What Barbara Barthelick found out, uh, in the course of her investigations is, and I, I experienced this personally, they, they traumatize the hell out of us, where it, and it could be from anything from pitting children to make them fight against one another, to turn one or more into a bully or, or make them you know, an aggressive child. What Barbie called years ago, and look what's happened now with the cultural Marxism and, and uh, critical race theory, everything else, what Barbie called decades ago, the breed out the love agenda, just to breed love out of people genetically and, and, and through psychological indoctrination, just make them turn them into this spiteful kind right. of, uh, thank you. Know, you. For, uh, thank you for bringing that up because the love aspect of it, um, actually the latest matrix movie, which not a lot of people were a fan of, but I actually found it pretty intriguing, actually knowing what we know, um, there's tons of disclosure in it. And that at the very end, the guy is like, he might as well be in a reptilian talking to them and telling them how um, they've basically programmed people away from love to where they don't even want true love. They don't even want that, that passion and that connection and that union anymore because they've been so programmed away from it that it's just, even if it was, even if it was laid out in front of them, it's just like unappealing to them because we've been so programmed to, uh, go for the superficial aspects of reality and the materialistic aspects. And then obviously they're always manipulating us sexually. And that's, that's one of the, that's one of the main ways that they do it, that they control us. The, the vapid vacuous, uh, just don't give a rip mentality that I'm not picking any particular group, but exemplified in many cases by so-called millennials. Uh, but also people well into their 40s and 50s, if they've had this communist, socialist, Luciferian bent to them, uh, and a lot of it has to do with the indoctrination, too. They're just surrounded by all these teachers, counselors, administrators that are uh, basically reptilian human hybrids that are spouting the Marxist uh, communist creed, right? And what happened was, just to look at it from a geopolitical perspective, a lot of people became tolerant. People don't really understand the McCarthy years for what they were. McCarthy, if, if, if there was anyone, we hear a term bandied about a lot these days, controlled opposition. And a lot of people don't really know what that means. I take the good with the bad. Okay, people are accusing such and such of being a controlled opposition. Well, that's all well and good. But is it causing some people to be red-pilled? Well, if it is, I take the good with the bad. I don't care if he's controlled. Yeah. And right. they don't understand also how... Uh, celebrities and burgeoning and soon to be celebrities of one sort or another in the sports world or whatever, they take all these pictures of them and those celebrities have no idea the editing that's going to take place where they're going to shade one side of their face. Ooh, look, the black and white, dark light aspect. Ooh, look at the thing what he's doing with his hands and he's covering his eye with, you know, uh, with, with one hand. And did the guy really do that during the photo shoot? We don't know. 
you know, clever mm-hmm. editing, suddenly it splashed all over the media. Oh, look, this person was a shill all along. Well, maybe, maybe not. Okay. See, people aren't really thinking on an intuitive level. But, but anyway, you know, getting back to the point I was going to make, the, the, uh, the, the cultural Marxism was such, which itself is, is a reptilian, self-hating, outward projection uh, agenda. It was, it was designed to trigger that R complex mentality within people, the victim identity politics, uh, make them like lash out at all these institutions. And the, the rage is always directed. It's always directed at oh, white people. It's directed at this. It's directed at, you know, uh, anything to do with American traditions, right? Uh, because you have all these people that are being manipulated at different levels. And it's all cult abuse. What will you find when, when one studies the behaviors of a lot of these hardcore serial killers? They were, hard, they were really steeped into the occult. They're really steeped in the devil worship, really steeped in the ritualism. Well, in varying degrees, that has been uh, shoved down the throats uh, of uh, people from childhood on up through all these schools and indoctrination, what have you. And so it's moving us away from the love aspect, getting us into the egocentric, self-centered, project all this unrequited, unresolved rage issues out syndrome. And also the, the androgyny aspect, the, the gender dysphoria, as they're calling it now, aspect, which is you know, the Baphomet agenda, essentially. Uh, I remember years ago when I was uh, in San Jose, in, I was at the uh, financial district, La Jolla, very ritzy area. That's where all the banking institutions and a lot of the corporations are. And I was at this um, reflecting pool for Science Applications International Corporation. It's an infamous contractor for the Defense Department intelligence community anyway. They had two statues there. One of them was an oversized statue of a guy in biblical garb, you know, the staff, you know, the shepherd's outfit, et cetera, et cetera. And the plaque read the old man. And over to the side was a, a, another big oversized statue. And it said the new man and similar uh, biblical garb, except they didn't have the hood on. The individual was bald and it was androgynous. You couldn't tell if it was a male or a female. right? So. The old man, the new man, and the new man is androgynous. You can't tell if it's a male or a female. And that's one step below, one rung below this whole transhumanist, turn everyone into a bot right. kind right. of syndrome, which is what we see now. We see so many people just plugged into their digital devices. And again, it goes back to this, this alien reptilian agenda of plugging us into this hive consciousness. Now, they operate on a hive consciousness, but the thing about these ETs and these interdimensional negative beings is they can access the information field. They can access memories that we have, which we're not even consciously aware of and make us relive. Like, for example, if they're going to if a reptilian in our example is raping a woman and this woman, which they know has had uh, childhood sexual abuse because they would be plugged in at a genetic uh, information field level with the reptilian hybrid who abused her when she was a young girl. So not only would they be able to plug into the information field and force her to relive those memories in real life while they're raping her, but they, they can all that block traumatic energy, which was never successfully released through years of therapy and what have you, it's still there to be accessed. So they just draw it out. 
you talked earlier when we started about this solution aspect. This is what Barbie called big time energetic emotional harvesting. Mm-hmm. And what do we see now with these uh, uh, social justice wars? It, it's the pod person point and shriek. You know, that person's not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- that's what we have now. The, the reason, the logic, the love, the empathy, the compassion, that's all done. That's all you know, been kicked to the curb. Uh, the narcissistic abuse meted out on a moment by moment basis by the corporate media and all these authority figures. That's all reptilian narcissistic abuse. It, it's like we've allowed into our personal space all these narcissistic reptilian abusers. And what's a hallmark of narcissistic abusers? They lie in our face. They right. li- they do something in front of you and then they lie about it. And, right? well, yeah. And, and that's and, go ahead. Sorry. Well, oh, no, please. I, I just wanted gonna, to make that point. I, it's true because, well, that's what, like I've said this before. What does a narcissist do? They rewrite history to avoid accountability. So they're lying about, they're even trying to lie about our history at this point. So we don't actually know who we are, where we came from. They've erased, they've came in and erased a true human history a long time ago. And like you said earlier, um, it's all about altering the gene pool. They, they go in and alter the gene pool of a lesser evolved civilization so they can control us from afar. And, and basically we're all just puppets, you know, and even, even the politicians and, and some of these celebrities and stuff, they're puppets too. And some of them don't even know that they're being controlled. And then there's a whole soul scalping aspect to that too, which I'd like to get into, but um, I'll let you comment on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because that, that is a key aspect of it because the soul and the mind and the uh, oversoul and the information field are inextricably linked and, and look what they're doing with these treatments. They're, they're cutting, essentially cutting people off from that source of lack of a better term, right? Yeah. They're being plugged into this Borg hive collective where the potential exists after people shed the mortal coil from dying from these treatments. That's, you know, the fun and games ain't over. They, they could be plugged into this eternal Tron-like existence for potentially forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't know how deep the rabbit hole goes as far as this this AI nanobot technology is concerned. But uh, getting back to the behavior modification, which is a key aspect, because what they've done is they've they've imbued their genetics and their behaviors and also reinforced through ritual of one kind or another, uh, you know, ritual through government. Government is one of the biggest ritual pushers there are. You mm-hmm. go to a government website, you know, you don't click enter, you click submit, right? Uh, here in Australia, it's like when somebody sends in like evidence to a court or they send in, uh, you know, a request for information to some government bodies, uh, you know, it's a submission, submit, submission. Jordan Maxwell talked about the power of language and, and others throughout the years have talked about the power of language and symbology, Manly Hall, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that reinforces the underlying uh, genetic programming and it's manipulation not on a just a genetic level but a spiritual level because a lot of these people they are reptilian human hybrids and i'm just focusing on the reptilian human hybrids here for a moment so there's not only a genetic uh, compatibility uh, but indeed there's a spiritual compatibility there's a frequency compatibility by imbuing so many reptilian genetics so much reptilian genetics if you will into somebody it, it radically changes the neurology the brains of these people and i think we all have receptors well we know that there are like uh, dmt receptors uh thc receptors for whatever reason they're already in there in our brain right go figure but i think at some level there are receptors 
for lack of a better term, that allow these archontic entities to plug right into our, in our brains, right into our minds. Uh, if our astral dreamscape stage managed dreams are any indication, they can do this, right? Mm. And whether they choose to eroticize our dreams, whether they choose to horrify our dreams, uh, whatever the case may be, they have the means to plug into it. Uh, us. And what happens is if an, a person has enough of these genetics in them, it allows these reptilians that have the ability to alter their frequency and density to enter into us at various times uh, in our sleep. And sometimes if, if people aren't aware of this process, what happens is what I call an interface takes place where eventually the, the entity, the interdimensional reptilian entity successfully implants itself, for lack of a better term, into the host human and is actually driving the ship. It's like because a parasite. It's absolutely a parasite. The, the metaphor of Stargate SG-1 was yeah. a great example where these snake-like aliens burrow into the necks of people and take them over. Well, essentially, that, that's what's going on. And there actually are these snake-like interdimensional entities that yeah. you know, take up people as hosts. But anyway, uh, so these entities take people over turn them into hosts for themselves. And since the institutions, the whole system has been geared up for this type of control, surprise, surprise, so many of these hosted people become supervisors, they become managers, they be, uh, or they just become irritants. They're, they're thrown into our lives at key junctures, uh, you know, and, and I'm all for self-accountability and self-responsibility, but it doesn't help when all these hosty people are around us you know, at times leading us astray, right? you know, in the yeah. guise of friendship or whatever the case may be. So, and it, a lot of it is that narcissistic abuse where we're just confronted with nothing but lies. And then we, for people that have been beaten down because we come all of us from a shame-based uh, uh, upbringing, right? We, we have this wounded inner child and we have, I'm a work in progress. We have to work out all these issues. So we don't act out in, um, in some way that negatively impacts us in the future, where we're a people pleaser, we can't say no, and it just causes all kinds of problems for us. To cite but one example, okay? So these entities are constantly trying to categorize, categorize a slot us in a certain categories for their manipulative purposes. And as time goes on, we begin to see, and, and especially now more than ever, because of this treatment rollout, those people that haven't succumbed to them yet, we see the pod person replacement aspect, the Borg aspect now more than ever. It was leading up to that with uh, the social justice warrior programming and, and we were seeing the schism of society where they're deliberately trying to uh, uh, create these uh, di artificial divisions within society. Uh, but now we're seeing the consciousness is, I, and I do believe I've talked about this in recent podcasts and in interviews with Jerry Marzinski. And if you haven't had Jerry on the show, I, I could set it up. The guy's brilliant. Yeah, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because there's absolutely no doubt in my mind and in Jerry's mind that there is a linkage between the intrusive thoughts and the voices and the entities behind the voices and these treatments, because these voices speak to us in our own thought voice. We think it's our thought voice because it sounds like our thought voice, but they're not. Right? Yeah. especially if there's an OCD aspect to it. And especially if these thoughts lead to behavior, bad behaviors, et cetera, et cetera. Well, these thoughts are constantly goading people to, to, to take the treatments, to, to you know, get themselves tested and what have you. And then once they go down that road, they just, they just find themselves in a, in a deep spell situation. 
And so that, that's what we're finding. Just, Our, there's been a clear division now between people like us. I don't say this in an elitist sense. And like everyone else who's still like enmeshed in, in well, this pod well, person it, matrix. It's it's a spell. Like you said, it's black magic. And I know somebody specifically who's a star seed. And she woke up one day with the thoughts like like she found herself like, in her own voice, like saying, I need to go get the vaccine. And she was like, wait, this isn't she knew she goes, oh, I see what you guys are doing. And she was she was powerful enough to, you know, just cast that away, um, which is where we all want to get to a place like when they when they try and attack me now, I'm just like, nice try, you know, and, you know, they're they're clever. And sometimes like even last night, they tried messing with me and I, I was almost expecting it because we were going to record this today. But uh, you just got to you got to get above it. And like you said, they'll go bully someone else. And uh Unfortunately, like I'm still, I'm, it's it's still trying to figure out like how to stop it completely, but it's not that easy. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm still trying to work it out. Fortunately, right. I, I I work with you know world class healers in, in the true shamanistic sense, where what they do is they they yank out all the energetic plugins to us, and they they detach all these entities that try to attach to our org fields. I mean, this is what medicine men women shamans have been doing you know from time immemorial and they've carried on that tradition in their own way so um you know i have a friend that uh, leone david i'm going to have her on the show she's pretty booked up for a while but uh she she could be a tremendous help i i went through a spate last year four nights in a row i've always been kind of an insomniac i'm not going to blame aliens on this but i think that at some level i think that they had a role and the astral abductions were so blatant even as I'm laying there trying to sleep and not even asleep yet, they were already taking me out of my body four nights in a row. And, and yeah. to those listening and watching, you know it that. could vary. You could feel yourself being pulled out of the top of your, the top of your head, pulled out of your chest, pulled out of the soles of your feet. At any rate, they're actually abducting me four nights in a row. And I'd have to fight and battle and get back into my body. So I asked uh, Leonie David to help me and she did. And I did have a knock on wood. I haven't had that problem since. Right. Um, but right. You know, I never have I gone through four nights in a row where they didn't even bother to wait for me to fall asleep. You know, mm -hmm. so whoever they were, they were like, <laughs> well, you, you can never have enough tools under your belt as far as this stuff goes. And uh, I want to get into how this is affecting, OK, our leaders, the elites, the politicians and the soul scalping aspect, because I was that's interesting to me. I've heard that they have the technology to essentially literally um basically rob someone of their soul scalp their soul and and put it in a pod for lack of a better term and that soul is trapped in a pod and it lives out the illusion of a life in some sort of a matrix okay so now their soul they've taken let's just say joe biden's soul and put it in a pod and it's living out an illusion an illusionary life in some matrix somewhere they then project a reptilian consciousness into his body and they take control of the host and they can and it's not just one they can you know in and out all the time there's different yes sometimes people are hosted by, by numerous entities not just one yes right and yeah so they're just replaced by like a reptilian entity yeah and this is happening with our world leaders uh military politicians elites all the above and this is i think what we're seeing so sometimes it's not necessarily a reptilian but it's a reptilian consciousness in these people and it's unfortunately they, they were once human but probably blackmailed out of their normal existence and 
pushed in, pushed into a position, if not born into it and groomed that way via MK Ultra, Mind Control, all the above. And obviously the chemtrails and all that stuff plays a huge part in it. Uh, that's part of the spell is um, some of those gases that they release just completely mask their own ships and their own craft and everything else. It's it's there clear as day, but we can't see it because of the gases we're being deceived with. Absolutely. The uh, geoengineering, the aerosol agenda. Uh, I'm absolute. It's not a question of me being believer. I mean, you know, I I leave it to everyone else to make their own decisions about these things. But I'm absolutely certain on numerous occasions I've seen, for lack of a better term, the second sun. Uh, People call it Nibiru. People call it, you know, what they will. Uh, the red dwarf, the brown dwarf, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Uh, I, I've seen it with my own eyes, and I've seen the efforts that they've made to conceal it with the uh, the chem spraying and the chem clouds, right? So, and there's no telling. It's already having an impact on uh, this planet, uh, seismically, uh, volcanically, et cetera, et cetera, which they're all just labeling climate change, of course. Yeah. And there's no telling if that mini solar system is inhabited by one or more uh, you know, advanced civilizations, right? So we're at that stage now where it just happens to cycle back at this point in time. And I think it's part of the reason why they're chemtrailing everything, this perma-chemtrail haze we see above us. But all of that, what it does is they've terraformed this planet uh, to such an extent that it's it would be unrecognizable to our, our ancient ancestors. They just look around and say, what the hell is going on here? Right? Mm-hmm. The food is unnatural. Ants don't even like want anything to do with some of the stuff that we call food. That's how bad it's gotten. And so what we have is a closed system. And what we have is this subject population. Barbara Barthel used to always say, most people simply don't have the neural circuitry to understand any of this. And she didn't say it in a, an elitist fashion. She was, it was out of sadness and regret, really. And I, I know what she meant by that because it's a process of, and again, I don't mean to sound elitist when I say this, it's just, I'm calling it as I see it. There's been a genetic de-evolution process at work where the people have been so shame-based through, through all this trauma, through all this abuse, and some of it goes back many lifetimes. And neurologically, they've, been affected in such a way that they're more reptilian brained, they're more reptilian orientation minded, if you will, than they are human minded. So they're more prone to be emotional, they're more prone to lash out, more prone to be impulsive. And we know through studies of, of serial killers that they lack a frontal lobe capacity, which is our impulse control net. And so what they've done is not only have they eroded through various means, genetics and other, otherwise, uh, genetic engineering and otherwise, the, the frontal lobe impulse control uh, capability, but they've also done something to the higher cognitive function, functioning capability of humans, as well as the intuitive connection, the intuitive process. A lot of that has to do with the alphabet language and then just all the dogma and, and, and you know, the brainwashing that's gone on since then. then. So. Yeah, please. And if we allow them to inject something directly into us, that can strongly affect the intuitive aspect of the human. Uh, and that's oh, exactly oh what it's that's exactly what it's doing. Um, you know, it has nothing to do with this um, agenda. I don't even call it a pandemic. I call it agenda, an agenda. 
Well, it has everything to do with the soul uh, sharing, the soul aspect you were talking about. Uh, and they don't even need to capture a whole soul. They could just, you know, a shard of it, if you will. Right. Right. Uh, because they have the means. And, and, and one of Barbara Bartholik's key cases, along with Dr. Carla Turner, they worked with Ted Rice. And as a boy, you're probably familiar with the story, but any of your listeners aren't familiar with it. I'll give a quick rundown. They uh, abducted Ted Rice as a boy. And then they took him on board this big ship and they hooked him up. They put all these uh, wires onto him and connected him to a black box. They gave him something to drink, which basically killed him, ejected his, his soul consciousness matrix, which was then sucked into this black box, right? <laughs> that, that black box or something like it, similar to it, comes up again and again in a lot of these abduction, even my lab experiences, right? So anyway, uh, Ted consciousness, Ted Rice's childhood body is officially his consciousness is now inside this box and then he's able to see this because his consciousness can can see outside of the box they wheel in on some kind of a gurney uh essentially a clone of his right an identical uh copy of his own childhood body they hook up all these wires from the black box to the clone body give him a jolt and next thing you know he's in his new body Yep. And they take him out to what Barbie called the assemblies. An assembly is that like that scene, the parliament scene in Star Wars, where there's all these different ETs, all these different species there uh, in some big, you know, confab kind of thing. And then they, what they did, one of the ETs did was it held Ted Rice and his new clone body up triumphantly. And all these ETs were cheering and stuff. Right. And then and then they sent him back. And then like a trophy. Uh, his exactly. And his family was searching for him. The, this was in Alabama where, where he grew up with memory serves. His family, his extended family, cousins and uncles and aunts, they were searching for him in the woods because he missing time. He was physically gone. Then they saw this whirlwind kind of thing with lights emanating, emanating out of it, come out of the sky, touch down, depart, and in its wake left young uh, Ted Rice there. Now, Ted Rice then had like a major, major um, uh, heat heat temperature problem. He was warm to the touch, hot to the touch. So they immersed him into a, a bathtub and covered him with ice to bring his body temperature down. Long story short, a lot of those childhood illnesses you're only supposed to get once, i.e. like chicken pox and measles, he got them again because that wasn't his original body. So the point of relevance is, yes, they can, For and everyone who's gone through an astral abduction knows this. They can take your, your, your consciousness uh, for whatever length of time and, uh, uh, you know, temporary, temporarily detain it. And I think that at a cosmic level, they've done this to countless uh, souls, not just humans or humans on other worlds, but to different yeah. ETs. They've, they've, what they've done, it's, it's like a currency for them. It's like almost like Bitcoin in a way where they yeah. can utilize these, trade these. And I think that uh, part of the agenda that we're just talking about with this mass treatment rollout has to do at some level with it has to at some level with what we call the soul. Yeah. Well, and, and something to note is that the reason they have to do this is because the soul can't be killed. The soul is a fragment of source so that they, they can't kill us. They can't kill the soul, but they can certainly manipulate it and trap it and do whatever they can. And it's obviously, you know, we're, we're talking about all this doom and gloom, but there is a way out, you know, they programmed us to be this dualistic uh, society, right? But if you can, you can shed that dualistic nature and just rise above that and 
you know, start doing the inner work is just cliche, but that's honestly what it's going to take and defeating the enemy within. Um, because we're always at, we're, we're always in a battle with ourselves. And, and a lot of times, you know, we're the only thing in our own way that we're the only thing that's stopping us from progressing. So anything you could do, anything you could do to heal that, heal your traumas and your wounds and your weaknesses and, and basically recalibrate yourself, you can rise above this and you don't have to be quite as susceptible as the rest of the world, because um, you, you're aware now and you, you have the tools. And once you're aware, they can't control you anymore. They can try and they're going to try, but you adapt. We adapt. That's what's beautiful about us. Well, the, the shadow work, as some refer to it, uh, is, is the toughest work to do because we have to confront ourselves, all of our weaknesses, all of our vulnerabilities, all of our uh, preconceived biases. Uh, yeah. And a lot of it has to do with impulse control, right? What triggers us to behave in certain ways? Also, what can potentially, and I went through periods of this, what can put us into a very compliant state? Uh, I went through a period of extreme suggestibility uh, at one point when I was living in San Diego for about two weeks, I couldn't say no to anyone. And imagine the, the chaos it caused in my life, right? Like I'm going into a car wash. I just want the basic car wash, but they come around up, Selma, you want to get the special or just a little bit more? Yeah, yeah go for it. Right. And what was the special? They, they put this, um, you know, air freshener thing shaped like a tree on my rear view mirror. That was pretty much it. And they wiped down my, you know, console. Yeah. I paid like 10 bucks more for that. But the point being is that I was in a suggestible state where I was so compliant, so submissive, so weak. And what we see now with this um, psychological warfare abuse going on uh, society-wide, this abusive government slash daddy figure has taken on the role of the authoritarian, stern, disciplinarian daddy. And so many of these people, they because of whatever unresolved issues that they still haven't worked out because of their own childhood issues and because of their people-pleasing uh, behavior, they, they gravitate towards that. Oh, they want to protect us. They want to save us. And, and it, power, it empowers them in a strange way. So they're almost, they're almost deputized in a way. So they turn mm -hmm. into mask holes. They turn into vast holes, vax uh, uh, holes. They turn into Karens, so-called. <laughs> and they become a force multiplier for the system. Yeah, because, you know, they're because they're playing uh, consciously and subconsciously simultaneously, both the victim identity card and also the hero heroine card. At, at some level, you look at these masked up people, even in places that don't even require a mask anymore. They still wear them. Thank you. Uh, 90, not, yeah, it, we don't have to wear a mask here anymore. It's recommended. But 80 to 90 yes. percent of people are willingly wearing them. Still, yes. it blows my mind. I'm like, you yes, don't have to wear it. Like, they think it, it's protecting it's, them. Yeah, it's it's a high consciousness thing. It, it's more than just virtue signaling. It, it's uh, in a very weird, twisted way. They see themselves as like Brad Pitt in World War Z or, or Will Smith in I Am Legend. It's like, you know, we're in this together. This is for the community. We gotta right. Uh, well, they're led to believe that they're they're like a stand up citizen. They're doing yes. doing something right, and I'm gonna. And then at the same time, you know, you see like these orchestras playing their flute through the mask with a hole cut in it. I'm like, where is like it's this is somebody who is no longer thinking for themselves, you know? Well, well, well that's a hallmark of narcissistic abuse. where <laughs> the, the insanity becomes the norm. It's like what I always say about these narcissistic abusers is 
And I say to them, don't push your insanity on me. Right. And, and that's what they're doing with this whole rollout is like, like, you know, I'm not part of your cult. Don't push your cult crap on me because that's what this is all about is is dogma, uh, you know, uh, cult abuse and cult acquiescence. And, uh, you know, I, I don't play that game, basically. So a lot of this has led of this long term genetic engineering behavior modification to this point we're at now. And the point you made about how we can get ourselves out of this, navigate out of this. The shadow work is a big part of this. I'm a work in progress. I wouldn't, you know, make any claims that being anything other than a work in progress. Right. Uh, it takes a lot of work. We come from a shame-based background, and that's what makes it more difficult, right? We have to own up to a lot of crap, uh, a lot of stuff that we've, we've done. Uh, it's interesting that we're on the subject because I, I've been reading the autobiography of Slash, the guitarist for Guns N' Roses, <laughs> and you talk, you talk about it archontic manipulated life and somehow he always landed on his feet and, and and i see that at some level with all of us like despite some of my you know worst behaviors some of the worst choices i've ever made somehow you know my long-suffering spirit guys i don't know what what the details are but somehow i i can navigate around that and there's an internal compass that we have that, that we if we listen to that still small voice we can navigate around a lot of this crap. Now, what they're doing, a hallmark of a prison society, is they just remove your pr- privileges. You have fewer and fewer options, right? But still, we, we can still create that bubble of serenity around us mm-hmm. where no matter what kind of crap they hurl at us, it ain't going to stick because we're not part of their cult. And, uh, and I, I believe that you know, with the power of the internet, with the power of the shows that we're doing, we're reaching out and in our own way, we're encouraging and empowering others because sometimes all people need is that belief and that encouragement. Like Barbara Bartholick did that for me. I mean, she believed in me before I believed in myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a big time shame based individual when I first met her, but you know, she really bucked up my spirits, really encouraged me, took me under her wing. And I always make a point nowadays to you know pay that forward in, in, in some way because there's a lot of people out there that uh, are hurting and they're on the path to reintegration and recovery but they've got an important story to tell too. And they just have to believe in themselves enough to, to be willing to share. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, One last topic before we wrap this up, I feel like we could do like, we could do 10 of these episodes. There's so much to talk about. I mean, it's literally, and I'd love to have you guys on my show too, just to interject briefly, but please come on my show and just let it rip whatever you want to talk about. Right. No. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the reptilians themselves. So we have, I've, you know, we have reptilians. There's so many different species of them. They come from different places. Um, even like I've heard Freemasonry, uh, the Masonic symbol, like Masonic symbolism actually stems or originates on a reptilian home planet. And it was brought here. It's not something that humans uh, conjured up, you know. Um, but I've heard there's, there's so many different species of them. I've heard, and then I've heard there's like the term reptarian, which is like a reptilian a reptilian that has evolved it was born and evolved on earth uh they didn't come here i just think i just found that interesting but what are your thoughts on a benevolent reptilian race i because through my research i've i've like i've heard they're born into this society the reptilians are even born into this as children they don't have a choice and even some of them on some level on their planet or even here on earth are, are going through their own awakening and they escape their system and then 
they specifically, you know, sometimes people channel them and they ask to um, not be judged by their race, but their individuality. Um, how are you familiar with any concepts of benevolent reptilians? Because some people don't think they exist. I absolutely believe they exist. Sometimes they'll show up as lack of a better term. We call them messengers where they'll pop up and, you know, say sometimes that like a cryptic message or whatever, but that's it. They just say something to you that which may or may not make sense later, but at a soul level, there, there is some degree of understanding. So, you know, messengers show up once in a while. And I do know of cases where some reptilians have tried to help abductees female abductees in particular that I know, and they were, they were punished for it. Uh, the, the rest of the mob really came down on them. Uh, there was one reptilian that, lack of a better term, the gal referred to him as Joe, and, and Joe was helping her out from you know, the depredations of these other reptilians that it was you know, in the same society, right? And then when they realized that this Joe character was helping her out, uh, they they punished him and she never heard from him again. And I know of other cases, even on our own planet, where a dominant reptilian species, we see this played out in Earth's history with humans uh, all the time, where a dominant empire, if you will, will subjugate weaker uh, nation states or weaker tribes. And that happens as well uh, underground, where a dominant reptilian species will essentially enslave and subjugate a weaker reptilian species, mm -hmm. turn them into slaves or whatever the case may be. And, uh, and I do know that there are reptilians, for lack of a better term, that are good, that are against all this. Uh, I was doing a lot of psychic work with uh, the Germans. We were having these, these Skype sessions uh, several years back. And this reptilian was like kind of watching us over a couple of sessions. And finally, uh, Martina, she said this through an interpreter uh, that my German is limited, but uh, we had a gal that spoke perfect English. And uh, she said, well, Martina says is a reptilian uh, here watching us. And it's been here for the last couple of weeks. She hasn't said anything about it because it's not harming us or doing anything. And we've had these entities show up. There'd be mantis beings hanging around just watching us. Right. So anyway, Martina goes through the interpreter. Uh, Do you want me to ask it what it wants? And yeah, we go, sure. Go ahead. And she asked it, well, what do you want? It turned out it had one of these interdimensional snake entities uh, attached to it. It attached to its like solar plexus area where a lot of these entities attach themselves That's one form or another. And, and so it asked us, can you remove this from me? All right. I go, sure, let's do it. So, you know, we put all our psychic abilities together and we made a conscious effort to uh, detach this snake energy from this reptilian. And we did. And then it just went away, right? Now, a week later, because we were, we, we were meeting weekly, a week later, we're having another Skype session with the Germans. Next thing you know, several reptilians show up. And they all had the snake energy inside of them. And they wanted us to detach the snake energies from them. Well, this is interesting. And we did. We pulled the snake energies out of them. See, what we've come to find out, because eventually literal interdimensional dragons are showing up that have these snake entities embedded in them. And when we took the snake entities out, this, uh, the dragons were doing cartwheels, spinning, doing all this Yoda, you know, acrobatic stuff. And, and you know, some of the Germans who had second sight, I've, I think sometimes it's, it's a, it could be a blessing or a curse to have the etheric vision. 
frankly, I don't want to look around and see all these interdimensional entities around me. So I'm glad I don't have that ability at the moment. Right. But some of the Germans that I was working with did have do have that ability. So they were seeing in their etheric vision, all these dragons spinning around doing cartwheels. They were so happy to have these things taken out of them. And the Germans were breaking down. They were crying. They were, they were weeping, tears of joy. And so the backstory came out, right? A lot of the dragons that were in physical form were hunted unmercifully uh, by, by human bands. But the ones that had an interdimensional capability were able to escape extinction. Unfortunately, what happened was these snake entities had embedded themselves into the physical and also into some of the interdimensional capable dragons and caused them to do all this like negative King Ghidorah stuff, right? Going around attacking villages and attacking people. Uh, so they were basically abducted and, and used as, uh, you know, in drone attacks, essentially, but they were being piloted all along by these snake entities. So if, if their backstory, if their historical message to us had any validity, that's what happened. Because a lot of these dragons see themselves as Earth-based entities. They're here, they coexist on the earthly plane with nature, with us. This is why the Chinese venerate them. But in mm. Europe, they have a totally different uh, well, understanding of them because of this snake entity infiltration thing, right? So two things. Well, for one, I've had uh, via one of my sessions, um, a healer literally visualized, I guess, second sight. She was able to energetically see some type of a serpent wrapped around the base of my spine, and she was able to remove it. And quite literally, it was life-changing for me. Um, I don't know how long it had been there, but also synchronistically i just read yesterday um this is mainstream news they discovered dragon fossil dragon a uh, uh, fossilized dragon in the uk which they call an underwater dragon it's like 36 38 feet long has a six foot diameter skull but from above it it, it looks like a, a dragon and it's really interesting to me that they uh used the word dragon you know they could have just called it the caesar or whatever they wanted but uh, it's a, it's really synchronistic. I think that you're talking about that now. Yes, and uh, I was uh, in comms for a while with two guys that were shakers and movers. These are young guys, uh, shakers and movers in the rave scene. Uh, these guys were the organizers of the rave scene, um, and they both told me independently to just how ET saturated and and gray saturated and snake entity and reptilian saturated the whole rave scene was. Oh my God, I can imagine. Cause, cause yeah, because uh, one of the guys told me uh, he used to, oh, this is back when I was in San Diego, uh, what was the Indian reservation they did the raves at, the Patanga Indian Reservation in North County, San Diego, the memory serves. Uh, and the way they would do it, they would put out like a, you know, a telephone message in code or something, and it told everyone where the rave is going to be. And then in, in an hour's time, that message was not going to be on, on that phone number anymore, right? So they had an hour's worth of time to find out the location and get to the site right and so this guy told me there were times when they saw literal grays at these events but there were times when he came across like um four grays kind of laying in, in a square shaped pattern on the ground right and he said that he felt that the grays and perhaps other ets had a role in not only the way the emo music was but also uh, the frequency in which it was played, but also the lyrics mm -hmm. for whatever songs, you know, that had required lyrics, they had a hand in that. And we can see this played out, you know, in, 
again, it goes back to the intrusive thoughts. What is a muse? It's like, was that really our idea to come up with a weapon of mass destruction in some lab somewhere? You know, why didn't we make like a longer lasting light bulb instead? Right? Why does mm-hmm. it always have to veer off into this earth destroying civilization, destroying direction? Right. Where do these ideas come from? Uh, and then the other guy that I spoke to, uh, when he was under the influence of, of ecstasy and, and other drugs, he would go into these raves and he would see with his etheric third eye vision because it would be amped up from the drugs, right? He would see these snake entities hovering over a bunch of ravers. And he said that some of these ravers, you know, like when they're holding a, like a flashlight kind of light thing in their hands and then they, they wave it around and dance in certain patterns. He says they do it so unnaturally fast that there's nothing normal about it, right? And he can see like grays jumping in and out of the sky. And on other occasions, he could see hovering right above a bunch of ravers on a dance floor, these snake entities. Yeah. And these snake entities are just sucking up the louche from these uh, these ravers, and it's growing and gradually expanding and expanding and expanding. And he said he's seen it as a third-eye vision. These things can get so big. Like, you know, the New York skyline, these things can be as big as that when they get fully expanded, sucking up all the louche. And you can imagine, uh, right. because what they do is – they don't want us in that frequency bandwidth of like upliftment and plenitude and serenity. No, that does nothing for them. It works for us, not so much for them. So they strive at all hazards to shunt us in this lower frequency bandwidth of rage, of fear, of victimization, of you know, yeah. all this other stuff, right? And it's constantly reinforced by the media, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, a lot of us are already in this lower frequency bandwidth anyway, which is their happy hunting ground. And you yeah. add on to that pharmaceutical drugs and, you know, illicit drugs, et cetera, et cetera. It just opens up people big time. And so, you know, you, fo- you get a focal point like a, like a rave and you can imagine the amount of loosh being generated uh, at a rave. Well, and how these entities are just sucking all that up. And OK, let's let's change the word rave to uh, mass protest, because that's a little more yes. practical right now. And yes. I just made a post about this. It was unpopular to some people because. Um, you know, a lot of people are getting, I see people getting angry because uh, everybody's just sitting on their asses and like, you need to get to the streets. We need a protest. But I made a post saying, guys, this is a spiritual war and we can't go blindly protest without putting up protection because these protests are honeypots for these dark entities to come and do exactly what you just described they did during that rave. They do this during the protest also. And I think this is what happened with January 6th, because I know people who came back from that. Uh, one person willingly admits that he was pretty sure he was possessed on some level after that uh, event. And this isn't just he's one out of thousands of people. And so we can't just blindly go out into these large groups of people because sometimes they are a trap. Sometimes it's a honeypot. They want us to go out there. I mean, yeah, there's peaceful ways to do it. But if you are going to protest, like go meditate on it, put up some protection, call in whatever help you need. If you really feel you need to be out there in the street doing something. But um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. something to think about that people don't think about because you got to think about who is inviting you to protest, who is what's what's working through that person. And mm-hmm. and they're obviously the reason you want to go protest is because you're being emotionally triggered on some level. Exactly. You're being emotionally triggered on some level. You feel like this is the only way I need to get out there. There's anger involved. It's usually not coming from a place of centeredness, centeredness, whatever, if that's even a word. Um, well, yeah, it's a desire to at some level strike back and a desire at some level to hit back at our, at our oppressors. And I see, we see this in different ways, too, where people 
figuratively and sometimes literally, you know, charge headfirst into these institutions of control, like the Federal Reserve, like, like, uh, you know, these various uh, federal agencies, what have you, the World Health Organization. But what they're doing is they're, they're taking on the outward front, uh, the, uh, the physical plane front of this control system. It's the underlying uh, reptilian alien control system propping it up, which we have to detach ourselves from, eventually get to a frequency bandwidth beyond their reach, ideally, right? right. They can go wallow and steal in whatever kind of you know, reality they want, but they, you know, or pick on someone else, but they'll, will be beyond their reach, ideally, mm-hmm. right? And there is something to be said about uh, mob mass psychosis, because I've seen this at different levels, at sporting events, at rock concerts, uh, the, you have this group think where everyone resonates uh, at the same frequency and everyone gets locked into this hive consciousness. The, one of the rave guys told me about that. He said, um, just at sunrise, the music is blaring out this emo music that locks in on a certain frequency anyway. Right? And then he said simultaneously, he said it was a mind blower. As the sun was rising, it was completely spontaneous. Everyone raised up their arms in unison and went like oh and he said it just blew his mind but that's part of that mob psychology uh you know hive consciousness that they were plugged into which they don't realize and like for example uh you know trump could easily have said okay instead of coming to the capitol why don't you all just go to your you know the city center the plaza uh, in front of your uh you know city council where you live and have a peaceful protest. We'll just come out in force all across the country, right? Mm-hmm. I think that would have been more effective. Why does he encourage everyone to go all the way to the state capitol where it's just this big honey trap, like like he described? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and that's a key point because we'll, even the Bible talks about this, Ephesians, where we are fighting uh, powers and principalities. We are fighting, this is a spiritual warfare battle manifesting uh, in the physical plane, but it's multidimensional in nature, right? So it's okay. There's aspects of us that we're not even consciously aware of that are grappling with this problem, that are dealing with this problem mm-hmm. in more than one timeline, right? So in one, more than one reality, even. So when we realize that we are multi, essentially multidimensional beings and, and we look at it from that standpoint, then it becomes more important to, I wouldn't say become insular, but to, to go inward to because through within, we can connect multidimensionally outward through the cosmos and everything else. And that's what they want us to forget. They want us to focus on the fact that we're, or the, you know, the fake news, if you will, that we're mere blood bags, that we're, uh, you know, we have no higher purpose in life, that we're just fearful, uh, you know, whip curs, or, which we were anything but. But, you know, what we're seeing now play out in front of us, we've been to use a term predictive programming, it's been in our face all this time. Mm-hmm. So not even on a subconscious level, at a conscious level, mm-hmm. all these people that are masked up, you know, they, they've already seen this movie over and over and over again. And now, and I hate to say it, and it may sound elitist, but for many of them, it's giving, it's given meaning to otherwise, you know, meaningless lives. They had nothing really um, to sink their teeth into, to, to grasp onto in the past, no real cause now they're like, we're in it for the survival of the human race, but it's the bass backwards opposite of that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so a lot of us have, you know, long since decided, look, these people, you know, we just wish, wish them well, just as 
you know, keep their caring ways to themselves, but there's nothing more you can do for them. If they've been double treated, if they've been boosted and if they're, you know, total mask holes, uh, you know, the clock is ticking on them. And uh, unfortunately, when you talked about earlier how your friend was waking up with these thoughts of getting the stabs, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that were 100% against this, but they were held over a barrel. They got families, they got mortgages. They decided, okay, look, I'm going to fall on the sword and I'll take one for the team, right? And, and they, they took them much yeah. against their will. Right. And see, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, these are courageous people and my heart right. goes out to them. Right. It's not easy and it's going to look different for everybody. I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I, I don't think that would happen to me, but people have families and careers and stuff that they're protecting. And when it comes down to your child, you're going to do anything for your child. And they know that they know we all have a breaking point. We all have our weaknesses. Uh, they know because they programmed them into us. So, uh, and there's certain groups that watch us all the time and they know exactly what it's going to take for, for us to bend, for us to break. So, this just things to be cautious of, but um, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping this up, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Can you please let people know where they can find you? Yes. You can go to my website, the cosmic switchboard.com. Uh, I, I do, uh, you know, consults. So if anyone's interested in, in having a consult about their experiences, uh, you know, alien abductions, interdimensional, uh, my labs, cult abuse, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, feel free to <clears throat> go, go to my website and, uh, there's a few, four or five years worth now of, of archives on there. So, and you can also find me on Facebook on, and Twitter. On, on Twitter, I'm Cosmic Switch 29. And on Facebook, you can look me up, James Bartley. Awesome. Thank you so much. Aaron, you've been pretty quiet over there today. You got any words to add? Uh, no, I mean, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, fascinating information. I, yeah, it was, it was mind-blowing. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you to, to Jenny Constantine to putting, uh, for putting us together. She's a true spiritual warrior. And, right. And, uh, please send, send her my regards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's definitely a warrior. That's for sure. Yeah, she is. Um, we've, we've had a few heated conversations with her on the podcast before. She's, uh, she's fun. <laughs> uh, yep. But yeah, thank you so much, man. This has been incredible. Um, definitely let's hook up in the future and do this again because there's no shortage of shortage of things to talk about there's so many directions we could have gone but you know it's to put it all in a nutshell the way you did is impressive and thank you for that and i know this is going to be beneficial and guys if this doesn't make it through the youtube storm i mean i don't if it doesn't make it on youtube you can find us on rumble obviously to watch the video podcast and then um apple Podcasts, google podcasts i soundcloud all the audio all the audio platforms Uh, i'm sure i'm forgetting some but anyway uh there's other places to find us uh, if yeah. if this Odyssey. doesn't. Odyssey? Okay, Odyssey, yeah. And then obviously we're on Telegram, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're just hanging on by a thread everywhere right now. The shadow banning is real. And <laughs> so yes. we're just doing what we can. So any support you guys can give us, it, it all helps. It all helps. And honestly, what's more supportive than donations is just sharing this stuff. Just get this information out there. And um because we're out of the algorithms. If we try and share something, it doesn't go anywhere. It's like sometimes crickets. It's almost laughable at this point. So um, if you guys want to help, just please share this stuff. If you find it at all compelling, or if you think it's going to help somebody. And uh, with that, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks again, James, for coming on. This was fantastic. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your day. And um, guys, we will see you next time. 
we have two more episodes coming to you this week. It's a busy week. Um, I guess the universe had other plans for us this time. So uh, stay tuned for those and we will see you next time. Have a great evening.